your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to a Thursday of Lacrosse Talk PM. I'm Rick Solom. If you want to get in here, 608-785-7914, the talk and text line. You can text me. You can call me. We'll do that. We could do that all day today. So feel free. Keith Knutson, Viterbo political scientist, uh, professor, scientist, professor. Uh, he's going to join me in about 10 minutes. Uh, I will say we we have a, a a slew of things to talk about. A lot of the state politics stuff, uh, the secret recording by somebody in the Governor Evers staff, the, the lawsuits over ballot harvesting and mail-in voting and making it easier to vote. God forbid we do that. Uh, as the, the fake GOP letter that ended up not quite being fake out of the Lacrosse County Republican Party. I think he, think Keith wanted to talk about that a little bit. Uh, you know, but before we do any of that and we can, you know, if you got you got opinions on any of that, 608-785-7914. Um, the, the case count, I think we were all anticipating today, what would the case count in Lacrosse County be? After 15 cases yesterday, the kind of startled, maybe startled a lot of people. It's, it was a lot. I mean, the day before was seven, right? So we haven't had more than five in, in a day in La Crosse County. I think that's happened three times. So seven was a lot. A couple of days ago, we we're like, whoa, seven. And then now 15 yesterday, we're like, oh my God, what's going to, where are we going? Is it going to be 30 today? And the 15, I think five of those 15 were from the uh, National Guard site. And I don't know if that boosts the numbers that much. It, it might. And it's always like, well, are they, are, is that all the confirmed cases? I'm not really sure. But so five of the 15. So we're kind of at 10, really? No. Uh, it, you know, it all depends on how many tests were done, right? Like if there's 15 and then the, 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 the blowback from that is, well, how many tests were there more tests? Because if there's more tests, then we're going to have more virus. And it's like, yeah, but the if there aren't tests, we're still going to have the virus. We just don't know where it is. Uh, but today, down to three. Three cases of COVID-19 today. So we're, the pandemic's over. We're back to three. Um, and that's where we're, we've been at for 13 days in a row. We've been at three cases, or, or uh, not three cases, but we've, we've had cases for 13 days in a row now. Uh, we've had multiple cases for 10 days in a row. So, you know, that, that three cases now at this point, we've, we've adjusted, right? Well, we had 15 yesterday. Three is not a lot. Three days ago, three cases was kind of alarming because we keep getting three cases every day. And, and if that continues, you know, is that number going to grow? Well, at least we've been educated for, what, now three months on, on how to kind of, you know, be safe and all that jazz, wash your hands. and You can't hear that enough. Probably could hear it too much, actually, if you ask me. But... So we're, we're, we had three cases reported today, and the irony here is that we're, we're at 13 days in a row with cases. Well, back in April, we had 13 days in a row without a case, and at that point, we were like, eh, what are we worried about? There's only been, we don't ever have any cases. So uh, the, the good news here, and I'll, I'll see this in the, in the La Crosse County Health Department page all the time, is somebody will post, you know, we don't have any deaths. And it's like, well, yeah, that's a good thing. We don't have any deaths. We have two people hospitalized. Yesterday, the County Health Department said those two people in the hospital because of the virus are not in severe condition. Now, I, don't, I didn't see, a, they, and they do this a lot. They, they post these little 
tidbits in the comments of their their page. All these, oh, that's interesting information. The two people in the hospital aren't in severe condition. That would be nice to have on the initial report somewhere, you know, wherever you want to see it. Be like, yeah, that's that's information. Be front and center, right? That's good news. Um, we're hiding it in the comments. Not that they're intentionally hiding it, but they're. I, I'm. I will say that they that the county health department when they put out posts and people have questions, they answer the questions. Maybe to a fault because eventually this question is get a little ridiculous, and they're always so nice. I'm like, how are you guys so nice about these? They're like, hey, thanks, you know, for asking a question, and uh, <laughs> like, how, because the questions sometimes are a little ridiculous. But I applaud them for for answering all those questions and being nice about it, and and just like the, the idea that you know they they don't have to answer. They, I don't know if they don't have to answer those questions, but they seem to to be on there quite a bit and having giving getting people the info that they want. All the time, so that's that's impressive. I, I appreciate that. Uh, but yeah, down to three cases. Uh, Main Street guy, do you want to talk about the cases? Oh, you know what? I don't have a lot of time. I just wanted to pop in really quickly. Um, look, I when I've spoken to you in the past, I have been very critical, but I just wanted to let you know you did a great job yesterday. It was your best show ever. Keep up the good work. Take care, buddy. How was my hair? How was my hair? <laughs> all right. Uh, what would what did we do yesterday? I don't even remember. <laughs> um, all right. 608-785-7914 if you want to call and give me praise. I think that's what Eric usually does. Eric from Sparta, do you want to tell me how good I am? Yesterday was your best show Eric, ever, your radio. Though. Turn your radio down, Eric. How was... Hello? Yeah, Eric, you're on the air. Yeah, there's a uh, couple guys in the hospital in uh, lacrosse here. couple people. I don't know if they're guys. Well, a couple people. I know. I know one of them. I have some um, connections in this, in, the, in a way, to them. And uh, one of them is an elderly man, and he is. Uh, they told me he is on uh, oxygen and plasma, and uh, he's doing okay. Okay. All right. Thanks. I can't. I can't listen. Yeah. You there yet? Yeah. I can't mention any names, but the, that's fine. I talked to him, his wife had contact with him, and he had contact with other relatives on the, his other side of the family, and they all got positive, mm-hmm. and they work in nursing homes. Thanks. All right. Thanks for the call, Eric. All right, we're going to take a, a quick break. Yeah, we'll, we can take this break here, and then Keith Knudsen's going to come back. I'm going to call him up. We're going to talk about politics. That's what we're going to talk about. That's why we bring a, a political science professor on the air. Uh, we can even ask him about how uh, Viterbo is opening up. There was a statement, a joint statement by all three colleges in town uh, the other day and, and that they want to open up, I believe, September 1st. We'll see how Keith feels about that. Maybe he can't talk about it. I'm just kidding. Um, Keith, usually you'll talk about anything. So if you have calls, you have questions, we have a political science professor on. Loves to hear from you. 608-785-7914. We'll be back. News coming up right here on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM, 608-785-7914, the talk and text line. If you have questions, if you have comments, Viterbo political science professor Keith Knutson back from summer vacation, well, in the midst of summer vacation. Uh, Keith, how are you? Uh, I'm doing just fine, Rick. It's a beautiful day out here in uh, the Driftless area. Are you just sitting in a lawn chair, sipping on a, something in, in your in your backyard with the phone in hand or what? Um, I'm well shaded and quite comfortable, and the view is delightful. 
All right. So there's a lot of things going on uh, in in the like Wisconsin political scene here. Uh, the, there's a couple of, of mail-in balloting. There's mail-in votes, ballot harvesting, uh, Governor Evers' secret calls. Uh, does did, oh, Hold it. And the Governor Evers' secret call? <laughs> Governor Evers' aid secret call, I should say, right? Like Evers I think, apparently I think, did. Uh, I think an aide to the governor um, recorded a conversation with the two Republican legislative leaders. Oh, there we go. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm saying it completely. The, the legislative leaders were not informed of it. Um, Robin Voss, the Assembly Speaker, has said that he didn't say anything that he uh, wouldn't have said if he had known uh, that it was being recorded. So it doesn't seem like such a big deal. Um, uh, you know, just a, a, an in, a, I would call this a minor indiscretion that, uh, uh, as the chair of the Republican uh, 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 Party here in La Crosse uh, wanted things to fade away, I think this story will fade away um, more quickly than the one here in La Crosse. Is it one of those deals where we want to... We as a, de- a Democratic Party, we as a Republican Party, just want something to fight the other side about? Is that like sure, all this I, is? Sure. I, I, th- I think that uh, recording of the phone call um, is uh, that kind of issue. Okay. So, and then, yeah, if we, we reel this into La Crosse County, uh, it was two days ago. Maybe it was Monday. It might have been. I can't remember if it was. It might, I think it was Tuesday. That the uh, So, a couple of weeks ago, I had Bill Fian on. He came on the show to... to to talk about the fake letter that was allegedly from the La Crosse County Republican Party Executive Committee recruiting. It went to high school seniors, uh, recruiting them to come uh, join the party. It came with a coupon for a free mega hat. And then it had all kinds of like wacky historical information that Bill Fian came on and, and just called pretty much. He called wacky. He called it beyond wacky. To be honest, he uh, you know, he denounced the letter itself. He said it was part part political trickster stuff, and and uh, you know this is this is part of what what Bill Fian had said yesterday or not yesterday when the day that letter the news of that letter had come out to uh, to high school seniors. Apparently, Mr. Fian didn't exactly have very good uh, uh, control or information about what's going on within his own party apparatus. Yeah, and here here the trickster came from within. Yeah, here's here's just a, a little bit of Fian. Uh, from from that letter. The thing I want to make clear in this letter, there's a lot of bizarre statements. It's almost like the Unabomber manifesto, but the policy of our county party and the Republican Party in general is that everybody is welcome. So he, he kind of likens it to the Unabomber manifesto. And it's funny, a couple of weeks later, uh, it was apparently written by somebody on the executive committee. And I think the Unabomber Manifesto was almost 500 pages or something like that, Rick. So uh, the comparison is a little weak. It's a little, okay, it's a little off. I, I mean, he made the comparison. I, I, I yeah, can be yeah, honest. Yeah, right. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, I think the point of the matter is uh, Republicans uh, are uh, uh, really in a, a, a bad position uh, recruiting young people into their party. Um, and so this might have been some kind of effort to... Uh, engage in outreach to, uh, we're not talking about Generation Z after the millennials, but uh, uh, the, the the letter uh, of Fian calls a, a hit job, uh, but the hit job is coming from within his own party apparatus. So there's, uh, uh, well, as uh, uh, Hamlet might have uh, said, there's something rotten in the state of Denmark, and uh, Mr. Fian might be well advised to figure out uh, what is so rotten within his own apparatus that it 
uh, it boomerangs back on him a letter from someone on his own executive board. Yeah, and it sounds like it, it came from, did it come from somebody named uh, Nick Newman? Is that who, who sent it? it, it just... I, I think the, the last name was Newman. And the, uh, uh, even the, the uh, membership director of the county party apparatus apparently saw some draft of this letter last winter. Uh, you might have thought that he would have reported it to the chair of the party and they would have cleaned this mess up before it got uh, uh, public. But it's an indication of, um, unfortunately, uh, the struggles of the Republican Party grappling with what's going on right now, these uh, protests over the uh, uh, murder uh, by a police officer of a black man in, in Minneapolis. And uh, uh, the, the the Republican Party, especially under President Trump, is just wrong-footed on race relation issues and uh, this letter is uh, and 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 the fiasco around uh the publicity of it is uh, just more this problem that the Republican party faces on this topic. I I remember asking Fian on the show the day that the news came out of this fake letter which is now not so fake. Uh he said I've been doing this I and I asked him hey would you get law enforcement involved uh and and Fian said I've been doing this a long time. History's taught me that these things usually don't go anywhere. And that makes sense because Fian knew when he came on the show, he knew from earlier in the morning that somebody within his uh, party had written this letter. So he didn't. Of course, you're not going to get law enforcement involved. Um, the the Republican Party posted on their Facebook page the day that the news came out. They kind of, you know, they said this was they, that the letter was, you know, repugnant and all that. They denounced that. Well, that Facebook post has been since deleted. So that's no longer on on their Facebook page denouncing this fake this fake letter because now that letter is real. But Keith, we got a couple of phone calls, so um I don't know who this is, but we'll go to the phones. Caller, you're on the air. Who is this? Uh, this is Mark from Lacrosse. I'm gonna interrupt your Republican bashing moment with your guest and just clarify that it's a Democratic controlled Minneapolis that had a police officer that it had multiple altercations in his past that allowed him to continue on the force. And we all know why that happens is because the public labor unions have a lot of power and they have the ability to keep people from being let go that should have been let go. And I called into the past and I had a friend that passed away that was a union representative. And she would tell stories how she'd represent union members that in one instance, the guy was sleeping for three, four hours rather than doing his job. But because the administration... I think, I think this caller is just uh, kind of uh, uh, sidetracking us, Rick. Um, yeah, well, Mark. Uh, don't you, you know, Minneapolis, don't, don't Minneapolis is now uh, engaged in a, uh, an effort to reorganize its police department. I did read an article today in the news that uh, labor unions across the country don't really appreciate having uh, police unions uh, in their overriding organization. Uh, so unionization uh, is an issue uh, uh, here in the society. We have a very low rate of uh, union representation for workers, and thus uh, our workers are uh, underpaid and uh, uh, get uh, relatively little benefit from their jobs. So uh, uh, that's not quite the same as uh, this letter we were talking about on the Republican Party side. Yeah, and if we want to dive into the Minneapolis Police Department's inner inner workings, we could do that. I, I think we're working on the Lacrosse County Republican Party fake letter. That's not fake. So if anyone has a comments on that, and and just like 
Fian even wrote in that one of those emails, hey, if we don't talk about this, it'll go away in two days. And, uh, you know, so we're talking about it because it shouldn't go away. It's a it's a grotesque letter. It talks about, you know, and we have a Keith. Keith is a history buff here. So obviously he's a professional history buff. Uh, so we, we could kind of break down some of the re- ridiculous stuff in the letter. But Eric from Sparta is calling in. Eric, you're on the air with Keith Knutson, Viterbo political science professor. Go ahead. Yeah, have you ever uh, Copperheads? Uh, you ever heard a fellow named Brick, a northern sympathizer for slavery? Of course you don't. They don't want that known. What's sure, it? I'm familiar with he's these a, terms. He's uh, a liberal. You know, the problem, the problem, Eric, is this, this writer of the letter goes back to the 19th century and is trying to recruit young people in the Republican Party in the 21st century and providing no context for what, what is, uh, why is this history important. Um, we could get into that, but Rick, maybe you'd give me a whole um, a week of one hour uh, every day to, to go through that history, okay? Yeah, we. well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. When I wrote this story a couple weeks ago, Keith, and I said, okay, what are we going to do to recruit high schoolers to join our political party? First of all, high schoolers don't really care about politics, so what should we do? Let's send them a letter. No, you know, actually, actually, Rick, um, what the public opinion polling data has been showing us is that uh, millennials and and now this uh, Generation Z coming in, uh, they are interested in being more politically active, and it's a lot of young people who are organizing these protests uh, over the murder in Minneapolis of George Floyd. Um, and so, uh, one of the problems the Republican Party is facing is that it is getting older. It is quite exclusively what. Uh, and it's not a, an organization that is uh, currently uh, demographically constructed for uh, a future success. Well, Keith, uh, the, the way I'm re- not recruiting high school kids to my political party is by sending them a letter in the snail mail and also talking about history that's, you know, 100 years old. I'm not those are maybe the two things. If you want to talk about current events. Yeah. High schoolers probably right into that now and. As, as you know, we can probably thank the president indirectly for a lot of this stuff, but but high schoolers <laughs> well, it, don't it, care about the it, 1800s. Well, well, Rick, it would even be interesting to find out, and I have no idea, would high schools actually disseminate such a letter to their own students? Um, uh, what, what the person who wrote the letter and sent it was intending, uh, it, it's kind of hard to figure out because it, there, there's not a whole lot of rhyme or reason to it. Um, and, and obviously, Mr. Feehan, the chair of the party, has said he didn't really know about this letter. His recruitment, uh, his membership uh, uh, coordinator, at least according to the news, saw some draft of this last winter. Um, and I think the real issue is what's going on in the Republican Party that sentiments like this are thought of as possible recruitment um, material. Uh, it, it, it's a non sequitur. Yeah, if this letter was if par- you know partially drafted last winter, and if Ian's calling it repugnant, you know on you know on the news, and it looks like even in in emails he said, "What is this letter?" He's mad after it's come out. Then uh, you know in private emails that are, that have since surfaced. But the then then maybe this winter he should have went like get rid of this letter. This is whack. This is all just wacky stuff. We don't need to talk about. It's going to do nothing for our party. Like we got to well, move and on. now and now it is going to be talked about, and I think Republican candidates for office in our area should be asked about their position on this. They didn't know about it, but uh, uh, what's going on in their party that this is considered, at least by some members and someone on their executive board, 
this is potential recruitment material for young people. Yeah. All right. We got to take a break. Keith Knudsen, Viterbo political science professor, will continue with us after Scott's comment. The news. Uh, we'll be back after this on Wisdom. All right. Welcome back to the Crosstalk PM. If you got questions, you got comments. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four. The talk and text line. I see Riverfest has put out a statement on their Facebook page that I just saw. So I haven't been able to read it yet. While we were not in personal communication with the lacrosse fire chief, about the 4th of July fireworks, we did plan, we did file an event application with the city. So it looks like it's about fireworks. Um, I thought maybe they were going to cancel or not cancel. It's so long. It's so long. I can't get into it. Uh, lacrosse, uh, Viterbo political science professor, Keith Knudsen, uh, on with us this hour. If you got questions or comments about him, we were just talking about the, the fake but not fake GOP Republican County letter Republican Demo- what is it called I'm I'm, I'm screwing it uh, up the Republican Party of Lacrosse County there we go Lacrosse County I'm trying to read this Riverfest thing at the same time and it's impossible to read and talk at the same time but yeah this this letter that was sent out to high school seniors a couple of weeks ago and uh, the Lacrosse County Republican Party said this wasn't us we didn't do this and and came on the air and said that too and two weeks later oh uh, actually it was some if we want to call him a, a rogue agent, a rogue executive committee member that did send this out. Uh, it's pretty weird that you can get all these high school senior addresses and, and send out a letter without anyone else knowing. Uh, it's kind of, a, I don't know, the, the, the idea of sending these letters is just all kinds of weird to me. I don't understand how anyone would feel okay doing that and how uh, you couldn't put out a statement you know, saying on your Facebook page, Hey, we're sorry we did this. This person has been, you know, reprimanded or whatever. Nothing about it on their Facebook page. But when it was a fake letter that they didn't write, they were all over uh, Facebook with that, which has since been deleted. So, right. And again, I think an important lesson from all of this is the county Republican Party seems to have uh, uh, a serious problem in, um, uh, let's call it a, a, a military term, the chain of command. Uh, how could this this person? Um, send out this letter on behalf of the party, and the chair of the party apparently didn't know it. Um, that that would seem problematic for the for the organization. Yeah, all right. So anyway, moving on, there's a, there's a court battle coming up. I would assume, Keith, this is just going to – it's going to be a court battle, right? The uh, What, a year from now, or how many – how well, long? I, I don't think we know what it's going to be, but it's an indication um, that uh, the, the state uh, – Wisconsin state Republicans are – interested in continuing with another decade of gerrymandering. Um, of course, after the 2010 census, the Republicans were in control of uh, the executive and the legislative uh, branches of our state government, and uh, they drew lines that uh, gave them a, 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 an advantage so that uh, Keith, uh, they, they, they maintain a, a big majority. Let's, uh, in both. Let's, we'll pause that for just a second. And number three is calling, and I know he doesn't want to talk about gerrymandering. Uh, number three, you're on the air with Keith and, and myself. What you got? Well, I was wondering, I'm uh, over in Tarofla, heading into Westby. Your station ain't coming in. I was just wondering if you showed up for work tonight and where you were yesterday. Oh, I, I, I did show up for work yesterday. I just didn't do a show because we had a NASCAR race on, which is why Main Street Guy called in and said it was my best show ever, which is very nice of him. Um, but well, yeah, I, I'll agree with him if he says it's, if he's a smart man. Yeah, my my show that I didn't do yesterday was my best show ever. Oh 
yeah, one of your best. You know, from one to ten, it was probably a five. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just wanted to know if you were missing an action, but you're back. It was nice to hear your voice. All right, all right. Thanks. Uh, nice to hear Keith's voice too, right? Okay. I, 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 I get your station in. <laughs> All right, he's 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 bugging out as he goes up and down the bluffs out there on uh, that side of town or those that, that side of the area, I guess. Uh, um, all right, so back back to back to reality so, here a little bit. So right, uh, so there's been a filing made. Uh, Scott Jensen, former assembly, Republican Assembly leader, uh, he got caught up in um, a scandal that both the Democrats and the Republicans. Uh, they were using their legislative aides for campaign purposes, and uh, the Democratic leader of the state Senate, Chuck Kowal, actually went to prison. Uh, Scott Jensen um, uh, didn't go to prison, but he was charged, and uh, uh, he's still a, a, a political operative. Jensen and Rick Essenberg, who's the head of the uh, uh, Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, they've made a filing with the state Supreme Court. They want the court to write rules that they the court... 20 years ago said they should write some rules when they had a gerrymandering case. They didn't do it. The purpose is to uh, uh, get Governor Evers out of the equation. Uh, he has the veto power from the, the, legislator, the legislature passing a law drawing district lines. And so I think the, the sum of this story is uh, Republicans are trying to find another way uh, to uh, gerrymander even uh, after uh, a Democrat, and all uh, statewide offices are now held by Democrats, uh, they're still trying to find their way to uh, get gerrymandered district lines so they can maintain their uh, dominance over the state uh, legislature. Um, yeah, the, even when even when they don't really get the, the total number of votes uh, yeah, to, to get there. Yeah, the overall idea here is that the for the last decade, the 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 way the district lines, the way we vote in Wisconsin. Is, is skewed a little bit. That's that's partially why. Would you say that's partially why Ron Kine wins every year because he goes and if you look at the lines, they're ridiculous. Like his Ron Kine's district runs up and grabs UW Stevens Point. It runs up and grabs UW Eau Claire, and it has Lacrosse County in it, and and then you know kind of the rural area in between. That's another district for why well, I think maybe that's even Tom but, Tiffany's uh, district course, now. Of course, Rick Ron Kine didn't draw that district. The Republicans in control of our state legislature drew those lines. Right. They took away some of Kine's northern, the third congressional district to the north, and gave it to the uh, district uh, uh, on the very north of Wisconsin. Then it was Sean Duffy uh, to ensure that he could stay in office, and the Republicans had tried to. Uh, uh, stand up to Ron Kind uh, now for 20 years, and they can't beat him. So they uh, they packed more Democrats into his district so they could get more Republicans into another one. Well, and that's what um, I'm saying is the outlier here is Ron Kind gets we give him this you know, area. Not, it's not Ron Kind. <laughs> it, it, that that's his district, Rick. But you you've got to get to the source. Who's drawing the district lines? Right. And then why are they doing that? Yeah. They'll they'll. They'll pack Democrats into one district so they can crack them out of another and get more Republicans elected. Yeah, I that's, think we can understand that's that. That's what when we, about. Instead of making the lines, you know, uniform across the state where, hey, maybe uh, UW-Stevens Point is in a district that's not also grabbing UW-La Crosse and UW-Eau Claire, which are all over the state. And, and, and then, you know, so the lines a decade ago were drawn a, a little wacky. And what the overall consensus here, and it's a lot of counties have voted you know, hey, we want to get the politics out of the drawing of lines and 
we we could go to an Iowa model where you know Iowa obviously isn't going to be a democratically leaning state. And we can um, go to you an- better better hold your breath on that one. Uh, public <laughs> opinion polling is showing that President Trump is in trouble in Iowa. Uh, the incumbent Republican Senator Joni Ernst is uh, uh, in danger of being defeated uh, this fall. And uh, it's possible that, uh, well, uh, last in 2018, two districts turned from Republican to Democratic uh, in that election. But the point of the matter is, in Iowa, when people are choosing to switch parties in representation, there's an outcome from election results. In Wisconsin, uh, the Republican, currently Republican gerrymandered district lines keep the Republicans in power. Right. And so so the idea here is to just eliminate having Evers have a part of it, having Republicans have a part of it, having Democrats have a part of drawing these lines. It seems well, he, like a pretty... Evers has proposed that Wisconsin have a, a nonpartisan commission um, uh, I guess you'd say bipartisan, uh, three Republicans, three Democrats, uh, I think two uh, nonpartisan uh, uh, nominees, uh, but a, a, a commission draw these district lines. And then the, according to the Constitution, state legislatures are supposed to do this. Um, the term gerrymander comes from the first decade of the 19th century, so it's a, a long-standing practice in politics. Um, but just because something bad is longstanding doesn't mean we should uh, continue it and tolerate it. Um, and uh, the people in control of the state legislature should uh, gain enough integrity to draw fair district lines and uh, let voters actually decide who's going to be uh, in control of our state legislature. At this point, Keith, uh, again, speaking with Keith Knutz, a Viterbo political science professor, at this point we know what's going to happen, right? Regardless no, we of... don't know. <laughs> Come on. We know that the... The lines are going to be drawn, however they're going to be drawn, and if nothing changes at this point, Evers is going to veto whatever was drawn. Well, the Wisconsin State Supreme Court might reject this filing. Um, uh, of course, uh, redistricting uh, cases have gone into federal court, and that's what the Republicans are trying to do here, keep the uh, court decision at the Wisconsin State Supreme Court where they see themselves having an advantage and not going into the federal court uh, where... Uh, recently, a federal uh, court ruling on our district lines uh, said, hey, this is not fair. It got bumped up. The Supreme Court uh, uh, edged that out. But uh, we should have legislative leaders. Uh, I would say we have an executive leader in Evers who is uh, proposing a commission that would not be doing um, carrying the water of particular special interests uh, and elected representatives. I think the legislative leaders should come on board and be willing to agree to have district lines drawn that make sense not for a political party, but for the people who are being represented by the elected uh, legislators. Uh, does any of this happen if Scott Walker is governor? Well, of course, the gerrymandering we're living under now happened when Scott Walker was governor at the start of this decade. No, I'm saying, do do we have this idea that we're going to skip right to the Supreme Court for, for some of these lawsuits? Because we know Scott Walker would sign off on these legislative lines, right? 
Um, well, of course, Scott Walker is not currently the governor. There's talk about him running again in 2022. That's a little late for drawing these district lines. I'm not sure where you're coming from. I'm asking you if in 20, if Scott Walker was governor now, and we got to oh. the to the time where the legislative lines would be drawn, he would sign off on them. But do sure. any it, of this? Okay, I, I see where you're coming from. If Walker had won the 2018 gubernatorial election, <laughs> there would be no need for this filing because the Republicans would cr- control both houses in our legislature and they would control the um, a governor's mansion. Yeah, it's just another case of, like, since we, you know, control all three parties, we're not going to change the rules so that... Not just, parties, branches of government. Or branches of government. So we're not, we don't have to change the rules. Kind of like when Walker was out the door before he leaves, we're actually, we're going to try to change a bunch of rules, right? Like that's, you know, the lame duck session. The lame duck session took away uh, uh, powers of the governor, um, presumably because a Democrat had won the governorship. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, the idea that, so do you think that this is something that would happen where these lawsuits over gerrymandering would, I mean, does it seem likely that that would happen? They would go straight Uh, to the Supreme Court? The U.S., to the state Supreme Court, well, apparently uh, this filing is arguing that the state Supreme Court can write rules so that um, complaints about the gerrymandered districts wouldn't get into federal court. I think, you know, my understanding of the Constitution is federal courts can um, uh, accept uh, uh, appeals from uh, any state's Supreme Court. I don't know how they think they're going to stay out of the federal court, but apparently that's what they're thinking. That is Scott Jensen and Rick Essenberg. And do you do you think that does does the uh, will the Supreme Court rule fairly if we you know do do anything fairly if if it does end up happening that way? Which Supreme Court are you talking about? The state, now? The, the state Supreme state Court, Supreme yeah. Court, or the U.S. Supreme Court? Well, the state Supreme Court, right? This isn't okay. a U.S. Is this a U.S. Supreme Court thing? I think it's a state Supreme no, Court. No, this is a state Supreme Court thing. But of course, the U.S. Supreme Court has ruled on gerrymandering. Let's leave it at the state. Right. Um, in in August, the newly elected. Uh, liberal, uh, oh gosh, her name Jill, is Jill me now. Jill Karofsky. Okay, thank you. Um, she will be on the court. So, uh, uh, Brian Hagedorn, the most, uh, previously the most recently elected justice, uh, a conservative has actually ruled against, um, uh, not with the, the conservatives on the, uh, election and, and on, uh, overturning, uh, the governor's uh, shelter at home order. So, uh, that's still an open question. Uh, but I think the, the the important point is we see these Republican operators trying to maneuver to maintain their gerrymandered advantage in our state legislative districts. All right, we're going to go to the phones here. Tremplo Tom's calling in. Tom, you're on with uh, Viterbo Political Science Professor Keith Knutson. You got a question for him? Yes. First, I just want to point out, though, that the Assembly and the Senate in Wisconsin is controlled currently by Republicans, and the Constitution does give the controlling power of the state uh, the option to determine where these districts are. Uh, He can call it gerrymandering if he wants, because I would say that's probably accurate, but it's no different than what the Democrats have done in the past. So while he maybe is upset about it, uh, it's just politics, like it or not. The majority of the people that voted for their district people in Wisconsin are Republicans, and so we have what we have, and I suspect it will hold in the Supreme Court. I mean, I want 
uh, uh, respond to this caller. Um, the general consensus is Wisconsin is probably the most gerrymandered state in the in the country, and when districts are gerrymandered, caller, uh, it does pervert election outcomes. So it's not just politics as usual; um, it's a vehicle for interests in one party or another. Democrats are not clean on this. I agree with you. In the past, Democrats um, in Wisconsin and uh, in this nation have gerrymandered, but I would expect voters to only want to vote for someone who says, I'm not interested in drawing lines to keep myself or my party in power. And uh, the Democrats who represent this area, I know are in favor of uh, Governor Evers' commission. And, uh, and as we see in Iowa, uh, a nonpartisan commission can draw lines where uh, when the tide turns for or against a political party, elections can have outcomes. And the way Wisconsin is gerrymandered now, caller, um, our elections for our state uh, assembly and Senate uh, are gerrymandered so that one party wins. Um, and uh, it's even been the case where uh, Democrats have won a majority of the votes and uh, get something like a third of the representation. Yeah, so I would I say think the well, caller is just off the mark and, and, well, and disseminating bad information well, he's not- uh, when he says that this really doesn't matter. Yeah, it, does, it definitely does matter. And he, he even admitted that the state is gerrymandered. So, I mean, we could stop right there. The state is gerrymandered. The The idea that voters voted and the Republicans control the House, well, that's because of the gerrymandering. So, um, yeah, it's all we can run around in circles about it. And the, the idea that I think, uh, uh, you know, the, you can blame the Democrats for this when they controlled the government, you know, a decade ago or however long ago. But the 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 idea now is I think a lot of bo- more people are are woke. That's what we call it. Uh, Keith, we call it woke. Social yep. media has brought this to to light in in a, in a lot of different ways. Social media has kind of ruined the the world a little bit, but it's also brought a lot of things to light. And and this Rick, is one this, of them. This program is so woke. Woke. I can <laughs> I can see the fireworks going off already because you've read that poll article by now. <laughs> it's so woke. That's what it is. All right, Keith, we gotta <laughs> we gotta let you go. I gotta take my last break, and we're gonna wrap up. So thanks a lot for joining us. Pleasure to talk with you again, Rick. All right, see ya. That's Viterbo Political Science Professor Keith Knudsen. All right, we're going to take a last quick break, and we'll be back after this on Wisdom. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. Just going to wrap up here. A couple minutes left in the show. A lot of a lot of text. Uh, libertarian guy says uh, both major parties conspire to keep independents and libertarians off the ballot. Both are guilty. Will Keith stand up for libertarians? I think. Uh, Keith's gone now, so I can't ask him, but I, I think he appreciates the idea that we could go beyond a two-party system. And uh, Phil texts in, let's talk about gerrymandering after the November elections, then we know who is drawing the lines. We already know who is drawing the lines. That's what the fight is about right now. We want to change the idea that a political party can draw the lines I always I always go to sports on this. Let's say the, the, the New England Patriots win the Super Bowl. Therefore, the next season, the, the way the NFL would rule would rule that the Super Bowl winner gets to to create the NFL schedule. So the New England Patriots win the Super Bowl, then they create a schedule and give themselves the easiest schedule and give their main opponents the hardest schedule. Let's say they anticipate the Packers are going to be in the Super Bowl. They don't want to meet the Packers in the Super Bowl. So they give the Packers the hardest schedule on the other side of the conference. 
Meanwhile, the teams in their conference, they give them also a hard schedule so that the Patriots could win the uh, their their conference and have a bye in the playoffs. So uh, the, the, the GOP has the House and the Senate or, you know, the Assembly and the Senate and they get to draw the lines. The the proposal here is that we want to make that nonpartisan. We want to just have an entity draw the lines, and then we can agree on these lines on both sides. But that's not how it works right now. Only one side of the aisle gets to draw the lines, and as we get to you know to the state of politics the way it is today, uh, nobody on either side of the aisle can agree on much of anything. So that's why Phil, we're talking about gerrymandering now partly because we want to take politics out of the idea of drawing these lines, how we vote in Wisconsin, and also because the Republican Party wants to take Evers out of the equation so that when the lines are drawn after the November election, Evers can't veto them if he doesn't agree on on where, you know, where they stand. So oh, it's it's complicated, I know, and and not not exactly the easiest thing to talk about, but I think it's really important. And there's a general consensus across the state. A lot of counties, every county that's voted on this in a referendum has voted, including lacrosse has voted. Yeah, we should take political party parties out of the idea that we're, we're drawing lines for voting. So um, yeah, it's, it's like 22 for 22. Every county that's voted on this in a referendum has passed it overwhelmingly. Overwhelming support. I've hit on it a couple of times. I, I, I know it's not the funnest thing to talk about, but I think it's important.